would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. One verse, one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 9. You got your place? Say amen. That is on page 1214 if you've not found it by now. All right. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are, his, ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. That's one verse. Let's read it together. Ready? For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We have looked last few weeks on this thought of preparing to build. Not so much a physical building, but building our lives. We looked at the foundation, realizing that if the foundation is flawed, the building will be flawed. We've looked at friction. Every building is built with elements in mind. Tonight, we want to look at two terms that every architect will ask you when it concerns building, and that is form and function. Uh, maybe one or two knows what this building is, but who can tell me what that building is? Do what? No, sir. That building is a library in Iran. Is that not the most unusualest building? When we think about form tonight, we're thinking about not just so much of, uh, of what it looks like. Form speaks of, of what's it going to look like. How's it going to look? When we designed this building, one of the things the architect did was he, he made me a model. Some of you will remember it. He made me a model. We could take the roof off of it and we could see the little pews and, all, and, and what this building would look like. That's form. Function, with the help of God, we'll look at next week on How's it going to be used? What's it to do? How, how's, what's the function of this building? So whenever we think about form, not what I want to see, not what others see, but how does God see you? The real you. Not the you you want people to see, but you. We, we, we use this term of hypocrite, but really the word hypocrite came from a, a, a day when they would travel, they would have these traveling shows. And they would have two or three people in these traveling shows, and they would put on masks, uh, and different masks, so it looked like there was more people involved. But in fact, and that's what they termed 
the word hypocrite or the ideal of putting on a mask. Tonight I wonder how does the Lord view our life. Now we do understand this. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Bible says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God never looks at things the way you and I do. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I love this story I read once where a preacher was preparing for his sermon. And his little boy was just driving him crazy, you know. So he, he, he picked up a magazine and ripped out of a page and he was a picture of the world. So he just ripped it, just tore it in all these kinds of pieces, just a whole bunch of pieces and he piled it all up and he said, Son, I'll give you a quarter if you put that uh, uh, world together. To his amazement, in about a few minutes, a few minutes, he came and the world was together. He said, My, I'm amazed. How did you do it? He said, well, Dad, on the other side is a picture of a man. And I knew if I got the man right, his world would be right. Don't miss this. When the man's right, his world will be right. When the man's not right, nothing's right. I was talking to a young man not, not too long ago, and, and I need somebody to give me some water. All right. And uh, not, not too long ago, and, and, um, and, and trying, to be a ble- trying to be a blessing, trying to help him. And he's looking to, to go to, to a certain place. And, and, and I told him, I said, son, uh, I, I know what you're saying, I know what you're thinking, but you need to understand. Same man who lives here, be the same man who goes there. Geography has never changed anyone. And so tonight as we think about this form, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3 how God looks at us. And there's three ways He can look at us. Thank you. There's three ways He can look at us tonight. Number one, He sees us in our original condition, 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man... Receiving not the things of the Spirit of God, there are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man, if you will, well, who, who is this dude? Well, the natural man is a man found in his natural form. Let me, let me just preface this with saying this. Talking about mankind... After Adam and Eve, after the fall of man, in God's original plan, man was then knew no sin. Man was sinless. But after Satan showed up, and and uh, we we realized very very quickly. Well, there's a there's a message there. I'm I'm so looking forward to bringing on on temptation. But we'll find that that in man's natural 
condition. He's, not, he's called what's called a natural man. If you go to the food line, you buy an apple off the shelf. It's not in its natural condition. If you want an apple in its natural condition, you've got to go to the orchard, reach up on the limb, and pull the apple off. That's in its natural condition. Psalms 51.5, Behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Listen to what Romans 3.10 said. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. They have all gone out the way. They all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Man, that just kind of cleans the slate, doesn't it? Amen. So God sees people in their original condition. And so, but, but what is that original condition? First of all, it is those who reject light. I, I really want to help you here. Folks are not going to die and go to hell because they are sinners. They sin because they're sinners. They're going to die and go to hell because they reject the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Morally good people that are morally good, that don't drink liquor, smoke dope, run around, all this kind of stuff, we put in a category of sinner can die and go to hell just like all those things that we just talked about. Those natural men is lost because they rejected the light. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I I don't want to offend anyone, but I promise you tonight, there literally is no such thing as an atheist. Because either they are lying or God is lying. The truth is, God said that I have manifested myself to them I made myself known, listen, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. God said, everyone knows who I am. John 1, 6 through 8, For there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So here is a group of people that, first of all, the natural man, he rejects the light of the gospel. Second Peter 3, Knowing this, there should come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since they, the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this... They are willingly are ignorant of they, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth stand out of the water and in the water. Here's what he said. They are willingly rejecting the light of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. Not only are they rejecting the light of the gospel, but notice this. We notice a reprobate laughter. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Speaks of those scoffers, that mockers, that laugh at the business and the things of God. It is, it is, the Bible says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. And us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Psalms 14, 1, for the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Those who reject light almost always will move into this reprobate laughter, scoffers, mockers, laughing off his word, laughing off God and in his work, his will. I, I was uh, telling Brother Dean about a, a, a story I read. Young man, he... he uh, him and his buddies were drinking, and, and just the day before, someone was trying to talk to him about Jesus, and he just pushed it away and pushed it away. And they was drinking. And, and their, their great pastime is this. They would go race up a climb telephone poles and see who could race to the top the fastest. And... Uh, this, this dude, he got to the top the fastest and he started waving and lost his balance and fell in to the power lines and was burned all over. But he lived. But what was amazing was he got saved. He got saved. I, I remember a, a day at Gospel Light, a young man coming to church on a Sunday night. Still remembers like his yesterday. His name was Steve. And the preacher preached, and he, he went, and, and afterwards, and the pastor never did do this, but I noticed after the service, he, he went to him, and he started talking to him, and I, I see the young man just shove him away, just pushed him away. That was on Sunday night. On Monday, they called us. He was in the back seat, wasn't even driving. There was an accident, and the only one hurt was him. And I will never forget that we went to the to, to Baptist Hospital and walked in. And a doctor come out and said, Ma'am, said, the son that you knew, you will never know again. His brain swelled and they, they literally cut out the personality part of his brain. And, um, and I'm not making light of the situation, but I went into him and he, he was so swollen. It was, it was monstrous to look at. He survived. And now that young man loves the Lord. Now he'll never be right. He'll never be right, but he loves the Lord now. He'll tell you in a hurry he loves the Lord. Can I, can I help you tonight? I, I, I fear so many times we take the business of God so flippantly and carelessly. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking tonight of, uh, of a man that, that uh, 
that that moved his family and and and, and he wasn't right with God. He moved. And now he's dying. He, this man's dying. His family. And so I, I fear sometimes that we don't take God's business quite serious enough. I see something else here. I see a responsibility lacking. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness of them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The lost man, I, I, I worked with a feller, and, and, and this is what he would tell me. He'd say, hey, preacher man, I read some more from that book that Zeus wrote. I said, who? Zeus. I said, who's Zeus? He said, well, I think you call him Jesus. And I call him Zeus. Wicked man, here's what he told me. I read the whole Bible. Here's what he said. Didn't understand a bit of it. And I said, well, you just testified, my friend. You just testified the fact you don't know Jesus. Spiritually discerned. God opens our eyes. And if God opens your eyes tonight that you're in that original state, you need to be saved. Amen. That's it. You need to be saved. You need to know Christ. There's a second way God can look at the form. And, and I, if you're in the form of, a, of the original uh, condition, if you're the natural man, I plead with you tonight to get saved before it's too late. And the second, God can see us this way. He can see us in an obstinate carnality. This is a carnal. That word obstinate means simply this. Unyielding, stubbornness, pig-headed. That's what obstinate means. Now, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. Number one, these are those that have a declared salvation. Notice what he said. And I, brethren... The only one here tonight that could physically call me brother is Eddie. But all the rest of you can call me brother because we've got the same heavenly father. We find here tonight they have a declared salvation. But something's wrong. Something's not right. An old man told me something. I, I hated this. I, I absolutely hated this. But he would make this statement. When something's right, you don't have to look at it long. And then he would make this statement, and this statement made me as mad as the first one. He said, anything that's right doesn't have question marks to it. It just don't have question marks. Here's a man that's got declared. When I say man, I'm talking about mankind, ladies. Don't think you're off the hook. Mankind. Here's a man that's got a declared salvation. They know. He said, I love this. And our brethren, here's brothers and sisters in Christ. But notice, a dwarfed stature. But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. 
You'll love this. Precious, precious lady. And I dearly love this lady. She visited our church the other Sunday night. Back there at the door. She hugged my neck. She kissed me on the cheek. And she looked at me and she said, Honey, you just never did grow to no size, did you? Would you like to guess who said that? Zeke, could you guess who said that? She said, honey, you just never did grow to no size. And I said, no, no, Miss Sally, I didn't. I I'm sorry. I just didn't grow. What do you say to that? But all, what sad is, what sad is, those who've been saved by the marvelous grace of God, the blood of Jesus has washed their sins away, and they're still a baby in Christ, dwarfed stature. I understand the early stages of Christianity, and I understand that, but there ought to come a day when the Bible says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's, there's two absolutely horrible diseases. The one is anorexic. The anorexic is the individual who simply just can't eat. They just, it's something about in their mind, in their, their nervous, they just can't eat. And, it, and it's a very major, major disease. And, and, and literally they gradually get down to where they just die because they're just, they can't eat. And, and well, that's simple. Here's the individual that's Christian anorexic. They're saved, but they never eat the Word of God. They never take in what God has to say. They never take in anything that will help them to grow. There's a second disease. It's called bulimia. Now, this is a person who... who Eat and just stop as him gets all they can. But before they leave the restaurant, they go into a bathroom and purge themselves of everything they eat so they won't gain weight. It's called bulimia. Oh, I believe there's a lot of Christians that are bulimic. They come to the house of God, they take in everything. But just as soon as it's over, they spit it all out instead of letting it change them and grow them. One of the surest signs of this disease of a dwarf stature is this. And now I, I need you to hear me. It, it always happens this way. It's when we move from the stage of the servant, then... We almost 
almost never fails. We move into a stage of entitlement. God owes me. I'm so, and, and, and we lose that heart to serve. When you lose the heart to serve, you'll find yourself in a very, very bad place. I, I, I'm amazed at this. And, and uh, I, I like this. We're like the fellow that's in a snowstorm and, and he got to church and him and the preacher is the only one that showed up. And uh, he said, well, preacher, sit you here, just preach. So he gets up and he just unloads his whole message. And he gets done. He said, boy, preacher, that was a great message. And you would have helped them if they'd been here. That's about where we're at, aren't they? Dwarf stature. Not only this, they're divisive in their spirit. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? Can I help you tonight? One, Seth, I'm a Paul, and another, I'm a Paulus. Are you not carnal? The divisive spirit that develops in a carnal heart is exactly what Satan wants to see. It's been years now, but there was a day I was so angry at an individual that I wouldn't forgive. Won't you listen to me now? If there is any person in this world that you cannot forgive, you are in trouble. The devil will wear you out. He loves people that are here. He loves, he, he loves, this, he loves this person. This is a person that will make decisions that wreck their family, wreck their life. This is a person that, that makes a decision when in fact the greatest decision they need to make is to be right with God. I, I, I'm just, I, I don't claim to be anything. I, I really don't. I, I was thinking today, I was thinking today how amazed I am that God gives me a part in his great business. I know me. And I'm amazed that he does that. But don't, don't miss this. When we get a, a divisive spirit about us, we'll make choices. But I stand... I, I, I'm amazed that God uses me, but what really amazes me, and it's happened it's hundreds of times. Well, Pastor, you know, we 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 believe God wants us, we we where we're gonna be going over, we, we need to go somewhere else. I said, Well, let me ask you a question. Are you right with God? Well, I, I don't know. How in the world can we make life-changing decisions and not be right with... How can a carnal man 
make life-changing decisions. Whoa. I see, I, and I see this all the time. It's a, it's, it, it's just, it astounds me because the devil loves you. Envy and strife and competition and complaining because a divisive spirit diminishes the Holy Spirit. Those two can't work together. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Isn't that good? Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Listen to this verse. Don't miss this. Because the carnal man is enmity against God. Whoa! For he's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Here's what he's just saying. They won't even hear what God has to say in the Word. Well, this carnal dude is a challenge. One day, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? No doubt they thought, well, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. But here's what he says, the greatest commandment. Here's the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. There's where we start. For this is the first and great commandment. Second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we see this. The great test tonight, if God sees you as this obstinate carnality, the carnal man, the great test to see if you're carnal is this. Do you love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might? Who is it you're not speaking to? Who is it you're talking to other people about? Who, what is that sin you're hiding? What is that that keeps you carnal? What has stolen your joy of service? Why don't you love God with all your heart and soul and mind? God sees us as the natural condition, boss. He sees us as the obstinate carnality, the carnal man. But then he sees something else. He sees an obvious Christ-likeness. And it's obvious. It's obvious. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. What, what kind of form will this take and what what will it look like well first of all it's a Christ-like mind well went too fast again let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus Philippians 2 6 who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation don't miss this took on the form of a servant 
was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, even became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. This obvious Christ-likeness has a Christ-like mind. It thinks like he does. That this mind being you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Not only that, but he has something else. Has a cooperative mission. Notice this. For a while one saith, I'm a Paul, and another, I'm a Paulus. Are you not, are you not carnal? A genuine Christ-likeness is realizing I get to be part of something wonderful because it's God's business. I don't know how you feel about Solid Rock Baptist Church. Let me tell you how I feel about it. I see a miracle on this hillside. I see a miracle here. I see a church that God's put his hand on, and I don't know why, but he has. I see, a, I see a church that God's wanting was as saved people in. I see God that's doing some things and wanting to do some things in the future, probably bigger than greater than any of us could ever imagine. But that starts with a cooperative mission. It takes all of us. It takes every person here. I love this. Paul said, "Who then is Paul?" Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but I love this, but God gave the increase. And you need to get this. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 and 9. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. We're not competing. There's no place. The greatness, if, if you have a Christ-likeness, a, a Christ if there's a Christ-likeness, then don't miss this. There will be this cooperative mission, this ideal of, of this. I'm not this competitiveness, jealousy and envy. The Bible says, the Bible says, if you have an all against somebody, go to them, get it right. Go to them, get, just get it right. And be done with it. And move on for the glory of a Christ-likeness. Christ-minded, amen, will lead to a cooperative spirit, not a divisive spirit. 1 Corinthians 1.10, But I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Solid Rock Baptist Church, if you'll get this verse, it can transform this church to beyond imagination. In Genesis chapter 11, a whole crowd got together and said, let us build us a tower. Had one language. The Bible says, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one. They have all one language. This they begin to do. And now 
nothing, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. There is, some, there is a power when we all come together as one that all the devils in hell cannot destroy. May we not get that carnal heart and be divisive, but may we be one. May we be one. Then we see last the Creator's manifestation. I love this verse. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. No questions asked. No Jesus button on their, on their shirt. No t-shirts and I love Jesus. They looked and said, mm, they've been with Jesus. They act like Jesus. They've been with him. I wonder tonight, the great question, how do those around us see us? Do they see you as a natural man? Do they see you as a carnal man? Or do they see you as a spiritual man? And that's important. But the most important thing tonight is this. How does God see you? How does God see us? How, how does God... Let me just get right down where the rubber meets the road because here's where really where it becomes important. How does God see me tonight? And he'll see you in one of three ways. Does he see you as natural? If he does, I'd like to introduce you to Jesus. He'll save you tonight. Does he see you as carnal, divisive? Does he see you as that, as that individual that, that, that's got a declared salvation, but the truth is something's not right? Now, you know, we can pretend all we want to, but the truth is when I'm not right, I don't have to have somebody to tell me. I know I'm not right. So tonight there's something not right. That's a carnal place. It's not a good place to live. Devil, devil loves that person. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure the devil doesn't use more carnal Christians to destroy than he uses lost people to destroy. Because you've got to declare, you've declared, I'm saved. I know Jesus. I know Christ. You, you made that declaration. And so the devil loves you because he can take your life and display to the world. There's nothing to that. It's a fake. It's junk. It's, it's worthless. He, 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 and he's a master at that. Or does God see us as spiritual, Christ-like, Christ-minded? Which way does he see you? Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you open?